Welcome to A Shower of Roses. I'm Jenna, your host. On this podcast, we read together the readings for the upcoming Sunday Mass in the Roman Catholic Church, so that when you walk into Mass on Sunday, you feel enlightened and empowered with the knowledge of the Gospel that you need to have a meaningful and personal experience with Christ every week. I'm Catholic, but you certainly don't have to be to listen to this podcast. The Gospel is for anyone, anywhere, at any state of life. We're so glad you're here. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Sock Religious. I don't know if you guys have ever been to this website called Sock Religious, but it is exactly what it sounds like. It is socks with Catholic saints and things on them. I'm on their website right now, and I'm looking at pictures of St. Therese on socks, John Paul II on socks, Our Lady of Guadalupe on socks, Mother Teresa on socks. It is literally socks with saints on them. And like, what a better way to walk about your day than with the saints on your feet. I love it so much, and I I really think you guys will like it too. Use the code ROSES at checkout for 10% off your order. That's R-O-S-E-S at SockReligious.com for 10% off your order. Again, that's SockReligious.com. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we're going to be reading the readings for the Solemnity of the Holy Family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph in year B of the Roman Catholic Church. The first reading is from the book of Sirach, chapter 3, verses 2 to 6 and 12 to 14. God sets a father in honor over his children, a mother's authority he confirms over her sons. Whoever honors his father atones for sins and preserves himself from them. When he prays, he is heard. He stores up riches who reveres his mother. Whoever honors his father is gladdened by children. And when he prays, he is heard. Whoever reveres his father will live a long life. He who obeys his father brings comfort to his mother. My son, take care of your father when he is old. Grieve him not as long as he lives. Even if his mind fail, be considerate of him. Revile him not all the days of his life. Kindness to a father will not be forgotten. Firmly planted against the debt of your sins, a house raised in justice to you. This is a beautiful reading from the book of Sirach. It's the reading that we read last year for this solemnity as well. Um, and it's clear to see that there's a connection here between the command that's, that the book gives and the fourth commandment, which is honoring your father and mother. But I like this reading in addition to the commandment because it kind of gives a reasoning as to why, you know, we should do that. Um, and it explains the the positive um, uh, outcome of respecting and honoring your parents. Um, and so it's almost as if when we honor our father and mother, 
God uh, bestows upon us a you know, special favor. It says, when he prays, he is heard. He stores up riches, reveres his mother. And when, again, and when he prays, he is heard. So God looks favorably upon those who honor their father and their mother. Um, And it even says that they will live a long life. Um, But I really especially like the second piece, verses 12 to 14, where it says, my son, take care of your father when he is old. This is something that's so important, and I think the elderly in our society um, can be so neglected, especially during these, you know, COVID times. We see how sad it is that, you know, these people that are in nursing homes and assisted care facilities um, have just been so cut off, cut off from their families because, um, you know, a lot of these places have seen cases come in. And so to avoid that, they pretty much lock it down and you can't visit. Um, And you can feel however you want about that. But regardless of how you feel about that decision, we I think we can all agree that it's very sad and that um, the elderly that are in these facilities are definitely suffering emotionally and mentally because they're lacking that stimulation that comes from social interaction, especially with someone that you love and care for. Um, So let's especially pray. Let's pray especially for our our elderly. Um, I think it's also a really good idea to talk to your parents about this. If if your parents are not, you know, elderly yet, um, maybe just just have a, you know, a casual conversation about them, about this, you know, with them that that they might be reassured that you are not going to forget them when they get old and that you are going to be there to care for them. And that doesn't mean that, you know, we all have to care for our parents full time. That's not realistic. Um, But I think it's just important to reaffirm our parents in knowing that we do not forget them, um, you know, once we, you know, move out and and get married or whatever we do that um, we are still going to honor and love and respect our parents. The second reading is from Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, verses 12 to 21. Brothers and sisters, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If one has a grievance against another, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also do. And over all these put on love, that is, the bond of perfection. And let the peace of Christ control your hearts, the peace into which you were also called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as in all wisdom you teach and admonish one another, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, be subordinate to your husbands as is proper in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and avoid any bitterness toward them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children so that they may not become discouraged. 
again, a beautiful reading from Paul here, and yet it contains one of the most, I think, controversial and misunderstood um, lines in the Bible, which is, wives be subordinate to your husband. Uh, that kind of makes people, not all the time, but uh, some people get a little bit um, eh, offended by... Uh, by that line, but we'll get there. Let's deal with the, uh, let's talk about the first part first. So beautiful, um, naming here of the, you know, these gifts and fruits of the Holy Spirit. Um, and really Paul's really encouraging them, you know, as a community to let Christ be the leader and the ruler of our hearts. And if we do that, then we will have real peace. And I think, you know, we can look around in our world today and see that that's sorely lacking all over the place, even sometimes within the church, that we're not letting Christ lead and we're not letting Christ richly dwell in our hearts. Um, because if we if we really did that truly, then we could never go wrong. Um, but I think that sometimes we just like to be the leader. We're not listening. We're not being receptive to the gifts that God wants to give us, Let the, letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly and doing everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's really important is that like, if I was doing everything I did in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, like, could I really put his name and like stamp it on whatever I'm doing? Because if not, if I would be ashamed to have Jesus's name stamped on whatever I'm doing, then I probably shouldn't be doing it. Um, we should be doing everything in the name of Christ. So now we get to the second bit where Paul addresses the family unit. Wives be subordinate to your husbands. Husbands love your wives. Children obey your parents. Fathers don't provoke your children. So again, obviously this is, be, this is put in here because it's the feast of the Holy Family. So what does Paul mean here when he says, wives be subordinate to your husbands as is proper in the Lord? When you read this out of context, it's very easy to say, well, Paul was not, you know, respectful of women or Paul was like an anti-feminist, whatever. But when we really look at this in context, um, the Colossians were a, a new, you know, fledged Christian community, as all these communities that Paul writes a letter to were. Um, and the women in this community, not all of them, but a lot of them you know, in Christ, we experience a freedom, right? There was this freedom that people were able to have in their experience of being a Christian and gathering together to worship and to read scripture. Um, and especially for the women, there was a freedom that they had to worship alongside the men that they did not experience in perhaps their own specific sects of Judaism, and so a lot of these women kind of didn't know how to handle this freedom of worship that they were experiencing and took it kind of too far. So like during worship and liturgy, you know, while they were reading the readings or breaking the bread or praying silently or whatever, a lot of these women were actually causing disruption within worship um, and kind of like calling out and shouting and, and kind of just being too much, again, because they had this freedom to worship and this freedom of religion that they did not necessarily feel in 
you know, in when they were practicing Judaism. So Paul is saying to them, be subordinate to your husbands as is proper in the Lord. Like if you're, if your husband turns to you and says, okay, like calm down or sit down, that's proper in the Lord because this is, he's talking about the way that they are acting during worship and during liturgy and in their Christian communities. And so that's also why he turns to the husbands and says, love your wives properly, avoiding any bitterness to them. If your wife was this one that was calling out during a liturgy, don't be bitter. She's trying. We're all trying to strive here to do what he said in the first part of this reading. Let Christ dwell in you richly. Um, okay, so I hope that helps put this reading into context because it really, it's like super important that we understand the context, the context of all these readings, which is why I do this podcast, but especially this reading is, it's super important to get that. Um, okay. So I think that pretty much covers this reading. Um, and fathers do not provoke your children so that they may not become discouraged. I think that's really important that, um, although he tells again, the children, there's this balance, right? In all things, um, because that's what it means to truly love is to pour oneself out for the other. And so children obey your parents, but parents don't provoke your children um, so that they may not become discouraged. In, in other words, like if you're scolding them left and right for every little thing, they're going to become discouraged and feel like they can't do anything right. Um, so that's what Paul's talking about there. So a really beautiful reading about the family unit, both, you know, the immediate family, but also the Christian family. The gospel this week is from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 40. When the days were completed for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they took him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Just as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that opens the womb shall be consecrated to the Lord and to offer the sacrifice of a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons in accordance with the dictate in the law of the Lord. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout awaiting the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he should not see death before he had seen the Christ of the Lord. He came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform the custom of the law in regard to him, he took him into his arms and blessed God, saying, Now, Master, you may let your servant go in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all the peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory for your people Israel. The child's father and mother were amazed at what was said about him, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be contradicted, and you yourself a sword will pierce so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived seven years with her husband after her marriage, and then as a widow until she was 84. 
She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. And coming forward at that very time, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were awaiting the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had fulfilled the prescriptions of the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is just a great read. I know I say that literally every time, but what a fabulous reading for this Sunday um, of the Holy, yeah, the Holy Family. Um, so what is this time of purification that it talks about at the very, very beginning? Purification, and this is what's interesting about this reading, that was really a period just for the woman after she had given birth. Um, the law of Moses says that she couldn't... Um, it was kind of thought that the woman was like unpure or more specifically unclean after um, she gives birth. So there was 40 days um, when she gives birth to a boy specifically. Um, She couldn't touch anything sacred or enter the temple area. Um, And then after this period, she's required to offer a year old lamb as a burnt offering and a turtle dove or young pigeon as an expiation of sins. And then if you couldn't afford a lamb, you could do two turtle doves or two pigeons. Um, and that's exactly what Mary does here. Um, because it doesn't mention a lamb. So that further proves to us that Mary and Joseph were not rich. They were, they were, you know, a poor family. So this purification that they're talking about um is it really only refers to mary so it's interesting that it says when the days were completed for their purification because it really it really would just be her purification um so some you know like they've kind of it says the vulgate i'm reading the footnotes here the vulgate which is the the version of the bible translated into latin by saint jerome um he uses a word that is non-gendered, so it could be either his or um, his or hers, depending on. Um, he specifically uses a word that does not have like a pronoun that does not have a gender associated with it. Okay, so Mary sacrifices her doves or her pigeons, um, and they are going to. Um, I mean, this is the presentation, right? This is the one of the mysteries of the of the rosary that we pray with. They're presenting Jesus because um, it's written in the, again in the Mosaic Law that every man that opens the womb, so in other words, the firstborn son, shall be consecrated to the Lord. What's interesting is that this does not necessarily have to be done at the temple. Um, this could be done in your, in your neighborhood, you know, synagogue. Um, so it's interesting then that Mary and Joseph choose to go all the way to the temple when they live so far away. They live in, you know, the north of Israel, which is Galilee. Temple's all the way down at the bottom um, in Judea in the city of Jerusalem. Um, so why did they do this in the temple? It's kind of a nod to... Um, when Hannah, you know, presents Samuel in the temple um, and consecrates him, we see a lot of similarities there between these two um, between these two occasions. 
So now we get to this wonderful man, Simeon, who is blessed by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit has told him that he's not going to die until he sees the Messiah with his own eyes. What a cool promise to have God um, bring to you. And it's just so amazing to think, like, how did Simeon know when he saw this baby that this is the one? And he just walks right up to Mary and Joseph, and it says he took him into his arm. He just picks up the baby. Can you imagine if you were Mary and this this random guy just, you walk right into the temple and he picks up your baby for you. Wow. Um, and he says, Lord, I'm ready to die now. You may let your servant go in peace because now I've seen your salvation. I've seen Jesus. I've seen the Messiah. How cool to say that about just this little baby, you know, 40 days old. And then Simeon has this beautiful interaction with Mary specifically and says, This child is destined for the fall and rise of many in Israel to be a sign that will be contradicted, right? This is not going to be easy for him. A lot of people are going to be against him. And then says this to her, And you yourself, a sword will pierce. This is not going to be just Jesus's suffering. Mary is also going to have her heart pierced as her son dies. Um, and then this is, this whole, uh, instance is kind of reaffirmed by Anna, the prophetess who literally just like lives in the temple, um, and just prays and fasts day and night, um, and reaffirms that this is the Messiah. And then the coolest part about this whole reading to me is the way that it ends. It is one verse that summarizes, you know, the next you know, whatever, 30 years of Jesus's life, according to the gospel of Luke, it says the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom and the favor of God was upon him. That's it. We get that one sentence and then we just go right on into, um, the, the next thing we, we have is, um, when Jesus is found in the temple when he's about 12 years old, and then after that, that's the only other instance that we read about in Luke's gospel, at least, um, about Jesus's childhood. Um, it's just that he grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So much left to the imagination and so many stories we wish we could read, but um, the evangelists that, that wrote the gospels just didn't have time and... Uh, the necessity for all of it, right? Because I, I struggle with that a lot. I would love to read more about Jesus's childhood and his life, but the Gospels were not meant to be biographies. They were meant to be the, ne the necessary information to get, you know, this message of Christ out to the world. So my challenge for you this week is to go, I want to go back to the second reading about being subordinate to your family. Wives, be subordinate to your husbands. Husband, be subordinate to your wives. Parents, be subordinate to your children. Children, be subordinate to your parents. We are called to serve and to be a gift of self to another. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. And it would be awesome if you could give us a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. Those ratings help us get this message of the gospel out to as many people as possible. 
You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at A Shower of Roses and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash A Shower of Roses podcast. You can also check out A Shower of Roses podcast.com for more information about the show or to send us an email or feedback. We'll see you back here next Wednesday. God bless you and have a great week. Carry